Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Everybody survive Thanksgiving? All right. Everybody weighed down by the weight of the turkey. And I loved hanging out with family, getting to see my sisters. And, you know, it's always fun to me to see how the family begins to multiply. You know, there's a lot of grandkids and siblings and what used to be small families can multiply into large families. And I believe that's God's plan, right? That Christian families would multiply and invest their lives in their children. And we would see generation after generation after generation serving the Lord. But it starts with families. It starts with us. It starts with us uh, implementing those things in the, in the lives of our children. So this morning, we are going to wrap up the Living Like a Giver series. And we're going to look a little bit more at the method. And then we're going to roll into the mission. Because we have to understand that the method has to be implemented if the mission is going to be accomplished. Um, so the mission focuses on, on the mission of our finances. It's asking the question, what do you want to accomplish with your money? Think about that. Have you ever thought about that? What do I want to accomplish? Now, most of us, the goal is show up on Monday, work to Friday, keep making more and more and more money, and repeat the cycle. We're just trying to make it. Some, some of us may be making it from paycheck to paycheck, bill to bill. Thank God the electric bills went down. Did everybody's electric bill go down? Summer grind, man, was killing me. Right? You know, it's high and, you know, we're looking for a break, but we're, we're trying to make money and all we're doing is maybe making it and we're not having a plan to delegate or to designate what we want our money to do. So I, I would challenge you as we j- jump into this last phase of the mission uh, of finances, ask that question. What do I want to accomplish with my money? I want you to think about that. Like if you could do what you wanted to do, now that's not, well, I'm going to be rich and I'm going to sit around, drink coffee all day, prop my feet up and take as many naps as I want. There's more to finance than just being lazy. There's more than to finance to just, to just get to retirement and then stop. I would challenge you that there is a mission that God wants us to accomplish in the realm of finances. And if we will collaborate with what he asks us to do and what he wants us to do, it can be life-changing. Because then the mission for why I work is not just to make it, but it's to contribute to something bigger than me. Okay? So this morning... You know, what do I want to do in the realm of making money? Do I just want to make more money? We're going to look at a few passages, and then we're going to look at some practical things. I'm going to give you some really practical stuff this morning. How many of you like practical things? Well, how many of you know practical things only work if you apply the practical things? I can give you a lot of information, facts. I can give you details of how to set yourself up for success. If you do nothing, nothing will change. If you change even one thing, you realize in the realm of finances, it can have the, a result of changing a lot of things, but it takes making a move, making a step. So let's look at these passages, giving some guidance this morning. First Timothy six, nine through 10, it says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So notice this says that the love of money, not the use of money, 
is of all evil. This is where the root of all kinds of evil lie. And the eagerness for money has actually led people to wander from the faith. Pastor, you're talking about money is this big of a deal. It is this big of a deal that you can pursue money and you can abandon God. This is what it's talking about. Have wandered from the faith. They have lost their faith in pursuit of money. Now, how many of you know that is a unhealthy balance? The moment you begin to pursue money in the realm of being God, that you lose God, that's a big deal. So it says they have wandered from the faith. And listen to this. Pierced who with many griefs? Other people? They have pierced themselves. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. The pursuit of this money, of, of, of accruing all of this gain and all of this wealth has actually caused more problems for yourself. Why would you pierce yourself with, this, with, this, with your own burden, right? So we need to pay attention to this. So the use of money versus the love of money. Those eager for money versus you seeing it as a tool, they have wandered from the faith. Ecclesiastes 5.10, it says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. So I'm wanting to set you up with a lot of scriptures that really give us guidance in the realm of money. If you have an unhealthy love for money, that is a problem. And we need to address that immediately. If you're pursuing money uh, and, and, and that love, that unbalanced way, you, you have to realize you never have enough. You know, I always am challenged when you talk about like a savings account. Well, how much do you save? How much is enough? Just one more dollar, just five more dollars, just a hundred more dollars, just a thousand more dollars. It can turn into this unhealthy thing versus this healthy thing. When it's trying to accumulate, because it's never enough. You can always add another zero. You realize that? You, you can always gain one more dollar. So we want to make sure that we are not loving money, but we are using money uh, in, in the way that honors God. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, it says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and varmints destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Remember we said our treasure equals our heart. What our heart is passionate for equals our treasure. We covered that a few weeks ago. So the mission and goal should not to be get to just get rich and be, but it should be to be generous. We should be looking at our finances in the realm of something bigger than self, rather than just accumulating the biggest mountain of cash. Now I think it gets kind of tempting when you start accumulating money to accumulate a little bit more. And I'm trying to teach my kids this. They got some Thanksgiving money. They got some birthday money. They got Christmas money coming. They are trying to spend every dime. Right. They have no understanding of savings, of figuring out. And they don't realize that if they will save it, they can actually get something better than something right now. Sometimes planning ahead and thinking for your future of looking at the mission, you know, temporary um, not buying what you want can really give you great gratification later. You know, I've come to the place, if I will save my money a little bit longer, I can always get a better quality something. But sometimes we settle, you know, every time we go buy the gumball machines, how many of you know those are a ripoff? Every time you go buy them, right? And now they're 50 or 75 cents. Well, if you're smart, you can go to the Dollar Tree for a buck for 25. You can buy the whole bag. That's pastor thinking right there, right? That's the, that's the saver. That's the, you know, using money to your advantage, not to your disadvantage. But sometimes what looks most appealing or something that looks like something great can really rob us of the true mission 
of what we want our money to do and where we want to get. So it should not be to get rich, but it should be to be generous with what we do have. Generous people are a blessing to all those around them. And I believe they have tapped into God's heart in the realm of finances. Generous people, I think, bless God. Generous people is the, are, is the key to financial success. Um, how, how many of you have ever been around a stingy person? How many of you know it's a lot better to be around a generous person than a stingy person? Right? How tight are you going to hold that penny? I'm going to hold it real tight. Doesn't want to let go of it. They see it as theirs. I think a lot of those are the attitude of a love of money versus a person practicing generosity. But our generosity determines our treasures in heaven. Let me tell you a story. So have you ever heard a story of the guy who died and he was being given a tour of heaven? So when he was there, he saw his friend drive by in a Mercedes Benz and he looked at St. Peter and, and he said, wow, this is great. He says, yeah, the vehicle that you drive in heaven is directly proportionate to your generosity while you're here on earth. He said, oh, that's really awesome. So next Peter looks at him and he says, I'm giving you your transportation. And he gives him a Honda motor scooter. He gets really frustrated because he says, how is my friend driving a Mercedes and you've given me a Honda scooter? And he says, well, that's all we had to work with. So a few weeks later, he goes by, he sees the same gentleman and Peter looks at him and sees the guy full of smiles. And he says, you feel better? He says, absolutely. I feel a lot better since I've seen my pastor scooting by on a skateboard. I'll take the brunt of that joke, guys. I got no problem. But if we realize that our generosity here is directly going to affect our position and status in heaven, would we spend our money? Would we be generous in a different kind of way? Because we think, I think by our actions and sometimes our practices, we think we can take our money with us. Now, don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with leaving a generational blessing for the generations to come. But when you live in a way where you are trying to, at the end, die with the most toys, you know, the older I get, it just seems like possessions don't really matter as much as I thought they used to. And uh, maybe I'm arriving at that place of really making it a little bit more rather than like not making it. Because I believe sometimes, you know, that poor mentality, do you realize poor mentality keeps everything you have? You don't want to get rid of anything because you're so fearful of not having something in the future. That was the main reason I didn't get rid of anything and I bought anything I could buy because I was so worried about not having what I need in the future. So I would never let go of anything. I'd buy stuff. I'd accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. And then I got to some point, I said, you know what? If I need something, you know what you can do? Most of us can. If you need something, buy it when you need it. But trust God in the meantime. Don't accumulate all this stuff trying to secure your own security, but just trust God. Let loose of these things, because if we spend all of our money on worldly things, it will allow us to do very little things kingdom initiative wise. So what is the mission for your money? What is the focus? How am I doing in the realm of generosity? That's the question I want you to ask yourself. Uh, why do I want to accumulate wealth? What is it that I want my money to do? So the goal of the mission of our money is just that, is to missionize your money. It's giving your funds a future plan, determining what is it that first and foremost, God wants me to do with his finances. Because we talked a little bit last week about we have to see all of our finances as a gift from God. That God has given us financial resources and resources in this life that are his and we are stewards of those things. How we manage those things matter. 
right? Some of us are doing really good. Some of us need some improvement, just to be real, just to be uh, transparent there. You agree with that? Some of us are doing well. Some of us need to improve. All right, so 2 Corinthians 9.11, it says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity, this will result in thanksgiving to God. Tony Evans has an awesome quote that I love. God is your source and everything else is just a resource. You have to trust God as the source of your life. That if he's provided up to this point, he's going to provide in the future. I shouldn't fear and fret and worry about tomorrow. Today has enough worries of its own. Trusting God as your source. Everything else is just a resource. Okay? You got that? But we're living <laughs> like those resources are the source. So we got to be really, really careful to make sure that we see God as the source and everything else is a resource. I want to spend some time this morning breaking down the method, methods to giving, to saving, and to spending because the success of fulfilling the mission that God has for us is critical on making sure that each of these areas in our life have good balance and have good practice. Um, I want to give you a few fundamental principles uh, that will help you be financi uh, financially successful. It's not going to fix all your problems, but it should help. Um, I love finance because it is mathematical. You change one variable, it changes the result. So when you make changes, it will change the result. So that's, I really love it. It's a formula, right? It works if we apply the formula. So just a reminder, a tithe is, the, is an act of obedience. An offering is an act of generosity. And a kingdom builder uh, gives generously to make a kingdom impact. We shared in those announcements a little bit about this kingdom builders. Next Sunday, we're taking up an offering. Hopefully you're praying about what you can do. I would challenge everybody to do something given those four categories of where God leads you to give and commit to make a kingdom impact. Because I really think that changes our perspective from me to everyone. It changes it from me to kingdom. It, it kind of gets me out of my own shell. Um, but let's spend some time looking at this first method, uh, method. So to give. So when we talk about giving, it is the first critical part of the big picture. We have to be givers. God wants us to be a giver. Would you, would you guys agree with that or would you disagree with that? Because the alternative is to be stingy, to be selfish, to not give to anybody, right? So when we look at giving, I'm, I'm going to look in reference to the tithe. Um, it's a, that's kind of a churchy word. We don't talk about tithe a lot. I mean, in, in just conversation, you probably are not going to hear the word tithe um, brought up a lot. But a, a tithe, it's an act of obedience. It is giving to God what is God's. The act of the tithe releases God into your finances. It is the secret sauce to financial success. It's an act of obedience and it's an act of trust in God. That's what it is. It's trusting God to increase. It's trusting God for your financial provision. So we have all determined that we should indeed be givers, but how much and where do we start? Because like I said, just like savings is an un achievable number. Giving can also be a question of how much do we give? When should we give? How often should we give? So when we start with giving, let me tell you what it does. When we give to God first, it, 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 it really paints the picture of our trusting in him. What happens if I give to God at the end of the month when it just so happens I have enough? That means I squeaked by and I was hoping that I was going to make it. When I give God first, that is declaring my trust that, Lord, I don't know what the end of the month's going to look like, but I'm going to trust you first to stretch out all of my finances so I make it to the end of the month. It is trusting God in our financial resources. It is giving God first. It is giving God in faith of where we're going to go. 
Okay, So that giving reflects our trust in God. So the tithe, let, let me give you a little bit of historical background. So it was pre-law. Abraham practiced the tithe. In the, in the Old Testament, it ta- in, in Malachi, it talks about bringing the tithe. It talks about it. Now, if we look in the New Testament, the New Testament, it's going to be very scarce to find the word tithe in the practiced order of the tithe. Okay, so like if we're trying to preach the tithe based on New Testament, it's going to be really, really difficult. Now, let me challenge you. Just because um, it was law does not mean that it should completely change. So the New Testament also never communicates that we should stop tithing. You got that? It doesn't say that we should keep doing it. It doesn't say that we should stop doing it. Most of the time when I see a habit like that or something in Scripture that it doesn't give us one way or the other, there's probably an assumption that you're just still going to keep doing it. Okay? Um, So anything right under the law does not automatically become wrong under grace. Right? Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. How do you think that flies in the New Testament? I mean, apply the same principle. That was law. It was the Ten Commandments. How would that apply in the New Testament? Well, let me tell you what. Everything in the New Testament, the standard actually increased. Right? You know, in the Old Testament, it said, you know, if you, if you covet or if you take a man's wife, it's a sin. You know what it says in the New Testament? If you just look. Now, I'm one of those guys, man, Lord, let me go back to law. Because I would actually have to covet and take someone's wife versus just looking inappropriately at somebody's wife or somebody's husband. So how many of you know, under grace, the standard increased? So if we look at, and that's across the board, it's always like that, right? So we can, we can agree that regardless of the tithe, you say, well, it's Old Testament, should we practice it? Now, let's, let's stay on the side of generosity. Because I'll tell you what, the New Testament is chocked full of being generous, of generosity, of giving. Now, we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach this giving principle based on Malachi, the tithe. Now, the tithe is defined as 10%. Since it's, since it's finance, we're talking about money. We want hard, concrete numbers because we just don't want to say, well, how much, Pastor? We're going to start at 10%. Now, if the same rule applies to the law in the Old Testament and the New Testament, if in the Old Testament God expected 10% and we use the same equation in the New Testament that says be generous... If everything else increased in the New Testament, why would financial giving not increase? I'm going to leave that to you because I believe that there is an increase that God wants us to be generous. But 10% is a great starting point. Let's look at this passage from Malachi 3, 8 through 12. Maybe you've never heard it. Maybe you've never read it. But it talks about robbing God. Now, I'll tell you what. You can rob some people, but you rob God, that's a bad day. You rob God, he's going to get you. Right? So, so here's what this passage says. Because the question was asked, well, how in the world do you rob God? Great. I'm glad we're in the same position. That's what this passage communicates. Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are you robbing me in tithes and offerings? In verse 9, it says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. So he took it really personal when they didn't do what they were supposed to be doing. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delight, delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So in this passage, we have to realize obedience is a big deal to God. Now, he calls the people out about robbing in tithes and offerings. 
Okay? Um, so let's look at this passage because we can look at it as a doom and gloom, like, oh man, God needs my 10% and God needs my tithe. And let's just look at the benefit side of it because I don't want you to be stuck on like, I mean, I don't like to look at it in the realm of getting wealthy, but when we practice this, what does it say we will reap? We talked about sowing and reaping. When we do what God asks us to do, how many of you know there are direct results by what we get? So in this passage, when he says you don't, let me just pause there just for a minute. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you. It says, you know, it's, it's a bad day. Now, I don't like to use the word curse. A lot of people say, well, I'm not cursed if I don't give. I'm just telling you in Malachi, they use the word cursed. Now, I don't think that that's a blanketed curse, but I believe that that is a curse in the finance realm. That your finances are not being multiplied to their full potential, allowing you to get to that mission phase in the realm of finances. But when we are obedient to God, here's what it says. It really closes the hole in our bucket. It allows us to fill it overflowing financially. It says it will, he will prevent the pest from devouring the crops, it will cause the fruit not to fall prematurely. You will get the best results of your increase. You know, uh, it says it will remove the devourer. It closes the hole in the bucket. So the devourer works against your wealth and your increase. Um, I know that I would, I would rather have 10% less and the rest blessed than 100% cursed. Okay, you got to understand, understand the math. Giving God that 10% ensures the 90. I have to trust God in that because you're like, well, how do you know? Well, I know what he says here if I don't, but I know what he promises when you do. So let me paint a picture real, real quick because I don't think we understand. What does this devouring look like? What does it look like? So what it looks like is it's not always, you know, just making more money that it's talking about. The devourer causes the fridge to die. It causes the water heater to die. It causes your alternator to die in the same moment that your, that your fridge died. The devourer will come and he will rip the carpet out from under you. And as you're trying to accumulate wealth, he will slowly rob from you. We, uh, we were blessed to be able to buy some new appliances that never done that in our life. Don't always advise it. Appliances are very, very expensive. Um, when we bought them, we, did not, we opted out for the insurance plan. If you bought the insurance plan, more power to you. I wasn't going to buy the fridge again for the insurance plan. So when we brought all the appliances into the house, I had all the kids come into the, into the kitchen. I said, hey, let's place our hands on the, on the appliances and we're going to pray for them. And my son says, dad, is the stove hot? I said, no, son, I'm not going to tell you to put your hand on a hot stove. But what we did, we prayed over them. We removed the devourer and that was my insurance plan. Because I said, God, we have been faithful to give you what you've demanded in the realm of the tithe. But I am asking you, God, to remove the devourer. And thus far, the insurance plan has worked. None of the appliances have croaked. Not saying it ain't going to croak because, as we're going to look at just a minute, saving helps for the rainy day. doesn't mean that we are exempt from anything ever happening. But there is a difference between being under a curse and the devourer just robbing from you. Because stuff just breaks. You know that? Stuff just wears out. But this is removing the devourer by being obedient to bring in the tithe. So the tithe is 10% of all of your increase. It's what you bring in. It says, bring it in that the storehouse might be full. That promise is, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So the promise of doing that first part, I would rather do it and reap the results of that rather than reaping the consequences by not doing it. 
Now, I'm going to challenge you. That's up to you if you believe in the tithe or not. And you say, that's Old Testament. Okay, well, get at the place of generosity because I think God is still demanding of your finances because the heart is tied to the finances. Your heart is tied to your wallet. What you spend money on, what you give to reflects what you care about. You know, it's not that God needs our money, but it's an act of faith to give God what he asks of us. Okay? It's also his tool uh, to provide everything that we have need of. What does it say there? It says that there may be food in my house. It is God's system to make sure that we never have to do without. All right? So uh, giving to God is the first command, is the first thing that we have to do. So giving first ensures blessing on the rest. That's the idea of the tithe. This is what it does. The 10% causes the 90 to be blessed. Okay, so giving is a, first, is a faith step. It's trusting God with the rest. So a tither gets to the place of realizing that they can't afford not to give. Amen. That's the place that tithers rest on. I cannot afford not to give. Because I've seen God's provision. But non-tithers, their perspective is, I cannot afford to tithe. And I want you to be challenged there. Because I believe that if you will test God in this, that if you will begin to tithe faithfully, and I dare you to do this, see what God will do. In that passage, this is the only place that he says, test me in this. I triple dog dare you to give. It's the only place in scripture. I dare you, test me in this. So pray and be obedient as the Lord leads you. All right? All right, so now that you're convinced you should give, maybe 10%, maybe less, maybe more, wherever you stand, we should be in agreement that we should give 10%, that we should be givers. So secondly, and in this order, we need to give, we need to save, and then we need to spend. If we spend first, you already messed up. So we want to give first, and then secondly, we want to save how much, Pastor? All these percentages. I want you to try to save 10% also. We give 10%, we save 10%, and we live on 80. All right? Now, some of you are like, Lord Jesus, how am I going to? He wants me to give 10, wants me to save 10. I'm barely making it. What am I going to do? Bear with me. So saving 10%. This is where we accumulate wealth and we eliminate debt. If you don't save, debt is knocking at your doorstep. Because the moment something happens, you cannot pay cash. And you got to pay for it. You got to fix it. You got to repair it. And if you don't have cash on hand, more than likely you're going to go into debt. You're going to say, well, let me put it on the credit card. Credit card is the devil in disguise. The percentages, the, the, the interest rate, it will destroy you. They are not your friend. If there's any claim to, hey, you can have it now and you don't have to pay till later, they are not your friend. They will come back with vengeance. I've talked to many individuals. How many of you have seen the, the, the claim, no interest for a full year? Those are great if you pay it off in the year. If you don't pay it off in the year, at the end of that year, all of that interest is prorated back and the interest is lump summed and then you pay interest on the interest and it becomes this huge problem. All right? So make sure you read the fine print. Most financial institutions are not your friend. Credit cards are not your friend. All right? But saving helps you to uh, eliminate debt and accumulate wealth. It helps you to get ahead um, it's the, really the only way to stay clear of debt. So saving is your emergency lifeline to when something unexpected happens. It enables you to pay cash instead of accumulating more debt. Um, how many of you know that in life the storm will come where you will need finances available? Now, a lot of people will say, well, I'm okay right now, pastor. That's when you save. You save now for later. 
You save now for the rainy day. You don't want to say, oh, it's raining, pastor, now I'm going to save. You don't want to do that. You want to save when it's good because statistically, every two to three years, there is going to be possibly a catastrophic something that happens in your life that you will need finances for. Don't be naive and say, well, the Lord will just provide. How many of you know he's given you something between your two ears to use? And he's given you a pastor that's really helping you be proactive. We want to be proactive in saving. We don't want to be reactional. Oh, Lord, I don't know what to do. Let me start cooking that barbecue and sell all these barbecue plates and I'm stressed out. I don't know how I'm going to pay it. Why do that when we can save now? Because we know it's going to happen. Right? We can be smart in what we do. When we save, we are planning ahead for the rainy day and the rainy day will come. Let me give you some biblical guidance. 1 Corinthians, 6, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. It says, on the first day of every week, say every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. This was a tool that they used to accumulate large sums of money. How many of you know large sums of money are not fun? Right, when all of a sudden you need it, but if you will save a little bit at a time and you accumulate it over time, how many of you know something really insignificant has become something very significant? Now, that number looks different to all of us because some of you got money in the bank. Some don't have any in the bank. But if you will start somewhere, you will have something to show by that intentional starting to give. So this was the method used. So the first of every week. That means often. That means consistently on a regular basis. You got that? Don't say, well, when I was 12, I put some money in a savings account. It's not going to fly. We have to do it consistently. Okay. Um, how many of you know that savings is never a bad thing? You ever hear anybody say that? Well, I'm saving. It's just a horrible thing. Savings is never, ever, ever a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a God thing. I think it's part of God's plan to ensure that you are not stressed out beyond stressed. If you have money in the bank, you know it really just kind of soothes all your anxiety and worry. I was talking to two young adults upstairs. One was telling me, hey, I opened a bank account. And I was like, hey, that's cool. And I was like, you got any in your savings? Well, I only got access to a hundred bucks. And I told them, start saving now. You know, it was really cool. I, I, when I was younger, I cut yards and saved some cash. You know, I actually saved that money till I put a down payment on my house. It wasn't that much, but some of that money, I kept it that long. I thought about it. I was like, man, I remember cutting that lady's yard when the onions, onion plants were like this tall and I was cutting the grass and I'd run out of the backyard because my eyes were burning so bad from cutting onions. You ever done that? Man, y'all don't know struggle. It was bad. It took me like 12 times because I'd have to run because the onions were burning my eyes. But the diligence of saving, it's a really cool story that I saved that. But I tell you what, I worked hard for that money. Worked hard for that money. There's a lot easier money to make than a 12-year-old pushing knee-high grass onion cloves, cutting grass, probably making 10 bucks. I don't know. You know, it, was, it wasn't much. But the cool thing is when you save and you can contribute to something way bigger. Right. All right. So savings is never a bad thing. I encourage you to do it. I encourage you to get your kids to do it. Uh, if you don't do it, let your kids learn from your failures. Parents, please help them. Finance is not something that we are taught in schools. We are not taught how to be successful money managers. Uh, uh, finances are a realm that is unknown. And most of us learn the hard way. Amen. Most of us have all done stupid stuff with money. Amen. We've all done something and we've learned or we haven't learned or we've continued to create the chaos. So do you know what, when the best time to start savings is? 
today. Start right now. Don't wait. So start now. Try to make a, a goal that is achievable. So it is better to set a goal uh, that, that, is, that is sustainable rather than a one-time thing. I would rather you put in a dollar a week than put in a hundred bucks one time and never do it again. Maybe it's five bucks. Maybe it's 10 bucks. Maybe it's 20 bucks. Do something that's sustainable for you where you keep doing it. Every week or every paycheck, something that's sustainable long-term is going to get you more results than just doing something one time. Okay? Because most of us, if we put a $100 bill in the bank and that's all we ever did, we don't have that $100 in the bank anymore. Right? We want to put it away. We want to save it. Um, So we want to give 10%. We want to save 10%. Now let's work on the spending. Because the spending is the most fun, but it's also the most challenging and where we can make the most errors. Okay? Okay? The other side of the coin is that our spending affects the first two categories. So our spending habits, our routines with money come into play because it will either cause our tithe to feel like a blessing or a curse. It will cause our savings to be achievable or feel like it is unachievable because how we manage the 80 matters sometimes more than just giving and sometimes more than just savings because it is the spending that affects our life. How many of you have overspent prior to the next paycheck before? How'd that work for you? Well, I wasn't thinking, and what am I, and hey, what am I going to do? Well, you should have thought about that before you spent it, right? When we run out of money, life gets really hard. We get really stressed. Now, I believe God gives us grace to make it, but it's a lot better to be intentional in our spending rather than just praying for that miraculous breakthrough every single month. I mean, that's not a good way to grow your faith. Lord, I thank you for this next month. I don't know how you're going to work it out, Lord, but you've been faithful, right? I believe God has also called us to be diligent in our spending. So uh, let, let me, let me kind of cruise through this. So do you know what your spending habits look like? So we have to know what the picture is. What do my finances really, really look like? Now, follow the cash. A lot of you don't want to look at the cash. You don't want to know where you're spending. You're like, just swipe the card and walk away. You don't want to look at where the money goes because you know where the money goes and you like those habits, but you also have to realize your spending habits are also affecting your personal life. Your ability to give, your ability to save, and your, your, your ability to create wealth long-term can be tied to your spending habits. So if you're not sure where your money goes, because some of us are like, I have no clue, inflation and groceries and gas, and thank God it came down, and you have no clue. If you want to figure out where you're spending your money, take one full month and write down every single expense, everything you spend. Now, most of the time, it's not the big things, it's the small things. It's the Starbucks, it's the soda, it's the supersized fry. It's the small things that will nickel and dime you where the most waste happens. It's not the big things. We know the big things. We probably know what we're paying for our electric bill, but we don't know how much we are paying for our Starbucks and our drinks and our just splurging. Okay, so write down all of your things for a full month and that will give you a good picture of what it actually looks like. Um, I looked at a statistic. Do you know that Americans average $200 per month on subscriptions? 200 bucks. Okay. Um, another thing to look at is one thing is subscriptions. Another thing are hobbies, extracurriculars. What are you doing? Um, so you have to work on cutting expenses on the things that you don't have to have, even though you feel like if you don't have them, you will die. You cancel Netflix, you're going to be all right. You don't go golfing three times and you only go twice. Guess what? You're going to be all right. But you don't understand, Pastor. Oh, no, I understand. If you're overspending, you got to figure out where you're overspending. and you got to cut in things that you can cut. 
when the electric bill shows up, guess what? I got to pay whatever I charge. I can't be like, well, you know, I'm just going to pay a part of that this month. No, I have to pay those bills. Phone bill, if it's cheap or it's expensive, hey, you signed on the dotted line, that's your, that's your monkey to pay. Some are expensive, some are low. There's a whole lot of phone companies that will buy you out of contract. There's a lot of things you can do. Cut those expenses that you can. Figure out what your spending looks like. Figure out where you're being uh, maybe too liberal in your spending. Um, once you know where your money's going, determine uh, if you're okay with where that money is being spent. So you have to have a picture and then you have to have a plan. Like once I know where my money's going, I need to determine am I okay spending my money that way. Now, if you're okay and you're making it and you always have some money to save and you're, you're giving and you're, you're meeting all the criteria, more power to you. But if you're having a lot of financial problems, you have to change where you're spending. You have to change it, okay? Um, if you don't like the data, change the habit. Live on a budget, right? That's the dangerous B word. Think about it that way. I don't like budgets. I don't like to have budgets. I don't like to be controlled. Well, if you don't control your money, your money will control you every single time. You have to plan. Now, budgets are your friend. It's not saying you can't spend, but it's choosing what you will spend. It's having a plan for how you'll spend that money. All right? Um, you know, not budgeting or not planning, you know what it looks like? God gave me this picture. So you've seen somebody play darts before, right? They look at the dartboard and they grab the dart and they're trying to hit the mark. Now, non-budgeting, you know what it's like? It's like, all right, buddy, blindfold me. And you just throw that dart and you see wherever it hits and then you draw the circle around it. Well, guess it's good enough. Was that what I was aiming for? Nope, but that's where that joker landed, right? You have to plan to what you're aiming for. You got to know what the goal is, what the focus is. Um, another way, you have to commit to be on the same page in your financial goals. Uh, husbands and wives, don't play tug of war against each other, please. Keep all your finances, one bank account. When you commit to certain uh, budget guidelines, pull the same direction. You'll see better results a lot faster. If the husband says, uh, says, yes, yes, golf, 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 and the wife says, no, 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 golf, 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 and you're pulling, man, you're not going to get anywhere with that. Whatever, but whatever you agree to, get on the same page and then don't violate the budget and the plan. Implement the plan, work the plan, you'll see the results change. Okay? Um, when you work together as a couple, you will see quicker results. Um, spending habits, uh, either make your savings or giving like I said, feel like a blessing or feel like a curse. Or, you know, uh, guys, on my tithe, I treat it like a bill. It's not up for debate. It's not a question. It's not a, hmm, should I tithe this month? I give God what's God's, and it's done. That money's gone. Now, there's times my, this, this year my wife's been handling our finances. I'll ask her, hey, did you pay the tithe? Well, well, I did now. Come on. Don't make me a liar up there, Right? I give God as soon as we get paid. And good thing with technology nowadays, guess what? As soon as it hits the account, I can move it out of the account. Some of you, that might be your best friend. Get it out of the account because if it stays in the account, you know what you'll do to it? You'll spend it. Same thing with savings. Make that savings account kind of a little bit separate. Don't keep your savings in your checking account. That's a dumb move. Oh, well, I still got money in the account, right? Out of sight, out of mind. Have those discipline, have those habits. Be on the same page. Work together. Whatever you commit to, giving, saving, and spending, be on the same page. Work together as a team. Um, like I said, I really believe that that giving to God first um, can radically change the game because it allows God into your finances. Um, so the key to success 
Have you really ever tried submitting all of your finances to God? Because I've seen a lot of church people, they give God 10% and then they do whatever they want with the 90. They say, all right, Lord, here's your sliver. I'm going to do whatever I want. Have you really ever said, Lord, I'm giving you everything I got. I'm trusting you with the tithe. I'm trusting you with the saving and I'm trusting you with my spending. That will radically change everything. Because there are times that we ask God about all kinds of things. Why would we not ask God for the help in the realm of finances? You know how much finances affect your life? It's a big deal. So how would we do that, Pastor? Before you purchase anything, ask God first. Well, it's my money. Yeah, that's the problem. You have to see it as God's. I say, Lord, should I get this? And he's going to say, absolutely, you've got to provide for your family. God's not going to be like this mean God that says, no, you don't need groceries. Starve your kids. No, it's not how God works. He loves you. He wants to take care of you. But he wants you to be disciplined because he's going to hold you accountable for what you do and you don't do with your money. It's a big deal, okay? Uh, ask for wisdom. James 1.5, it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Ask God for financial wisdom. Um, we ask God for wisdom in a whole bunch of things. We've asked God for wisdom in things like life and health. Why would we not ask God for help in the realm of wealth? He can give us the same kind of wisdom. Once we get our finances under control, it allows us to pursue the mission of what God has for our finances. I'm closing with, the, with these few bullet points of practical things you can do, but I want to share really, really quickly what the idea of this series came from, living like a giver. Um, as I was praying about this series, I was thinking about, Lord, what's the number one thing that I want for my personal finances to look like? And man, that phrase just deposited in my said, Lord, I want to live like a giver. Where when people look at me, they see generosity. They see, see someone who gives, who contributes, who lives a selfless life, who provides resources for my kids that, you know, God willing, we'll be able to help with some college. I don't know, Lord, if I'll be able to pay for it all, but I'm going to be diligent with the kids you've given me. I'm going to pay cash for things. I'm not going to be in debt. I, I, I said, Lord, I want to live like a giver. And I believe that God says he wants you to live like a giver. But to live like a giver, we got to make some adjustments. we got to make sure we're managing our money well, okay? Um, so to live like a giver, guess what? you got to give. Guess what? I ain't giving nothing. Well, good luck living like a giver, okay? You have to give to be a giver. All right, let me give you uh, just some quick bullet points. Give 10%, save 10%, ask God what to do with the rest in, in the spending. Um, follow that principle of give, save, and spend. Do it in that order. Um, make a budget if you've never done that. Dave Ramsey has some phenomenal resources for budgeting, getting out of debt, uh, debt snowball. He has a whole bunch of awesome resources. If you don't know anything about it and you want some resources about that, talk to me. We can get you teamed up with what that looks like. Um, be, be united in your financial goals. So the same goals, the same account, the same discipline. If they're not like that right now, nudge your spouse. Make a commitment for the same goals, same financial goals. Um, this is super, super easy, but maybe some of you need to hear it. Don't spend more than you make. This will ensure debt. Don't spend more than you make. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. No, I understand debt. And I understand debt will rob from you and it'll stress you out. Do not spend more than you make. Well, what do I do, Pastor, if I don't have enough? You either cut expenses or you make more cash. That's the only way to do it. Don't continually spend more than you make. You got that? Pretty simple. It's going to require something of you, but it can help you. Submit all of your finances to God. Give God 100%, not just 
Say, Lord, I trust you with all of my resources. Ask God for wisdom in your spending. Um, this last one, work hard and stay disciplined. There's a, there's a proverb in 22, 33, 34. It says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of your hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. What I've learned, do your part, work diligent, work hard, and then God will provide the increase and he will take care of you. I've never seen God not honor a disciplined, hardworking man or woman or young adult. He will honor diligence of working hard. Can you guys stand up with me? I hope um, if you you like to take pictures or remember something, these are some things, practical things that if you implement right now, it will begin to change the trajectory of your finances. Oh. Pastor, why are we talking about finances at church? Because finances affect so much of our life. And there's so many topics, there's so many things that I want you to be successful in, and I believe God wants you to be successful in, and finances is one of them. Every single year we talk about finances. Once a year. This is the conclusion of our finances. Don't say, dear Lord, thank you, Jesus. He ain't going to talk about it anymore. I hope that we will begin to practice what we've learned. And then this time next year, we'll be able to check off a few of those bullet points. And man, we're doing that now. Man, we got more in our savings than we've ever had. It's five bucks, but praise God for that. Like, I don't know. Like, make something. Make some changes that'll change the trajectory of your life. Um, really want you to be praying about this Kingdom Builders offering we're going to take up next week. Really believe that it could even be a faith step for you. Say, Lord... I don't have it to give, but what do you want me to give? Because I've seen God honor in the lack on the backside of that. Just be obedient to what the Lord leads. You don't have to be the most wealthy to be a kingdom builder, but you do have to be intentional in giving. Um, As we leave, can I just pray over your finances? Please hear my heart. Man, if you're offended, if you're upset, if you're ready to bolt out of here, please know my heart is for you to be very well off and financially successful. I want you to be blessed. I want you to provide increase. I want you to be okay financially. Just like I want you to be okay spiritually and emotionally and all of these others. I want you to be well off financially. If there's anything I can help you with, please ask me. But I believe our collaboration with God's collaboration can cause great results in our life. Can I pray a financial blessing over you? If you need that in this house this morning, can you just lift your hands up like you're receiving it or trusting the Lord for it? Lord, I thank you for each one in this room under the sound of my voice. I pray today, Father, that you would open the windows of heaven. Father, if there's faith or if there's a lack thereof, Father, I thank you that you're a God that graciously gives to your children. And Father, this morning, I pray that there would be an abundance outpouring of financial provision. I don't care about inflation. I don't care about the stock market. I don't care about who's president or who the elected officials are. Father, I thank you, God, that you are still on your throne. And Father, you can provide all of the increase that we need to not just meet our needs, but to meet the needs of others. God, that we are called to be people who can be generous in every situation, not lacking, but thriving. So, Father, I pray for just a release of financial provision. I pray against the devourer in the lives of your people, God, that you would cause it to multiply. Father, that their their homes would overflow with the goodness and provision of God. But, Father, as that increase happens, Father, that we would ask you, what are we to do with all this provision? And, Father, that we would cause it to be mission-minded and poured into a kingdom initiative. Father, as we go from this place, I pray you go with us.
Father, I pray that each person here under the sound of my voice would be encouraged, not discouraged. Father, I pray for raises and promotions and multiplication of finances. Father, I pray that those who are in debt this year, Father, would be out of debt next year. Father, I thank you for what you're going to do. And we trust you in all of our finances. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.